right, so we're continuing through our messages relate to learning how to have healthy relationships. All right, so this is our, what, third week. Has anybody had any relationship issues these past three weeks? Nate is like, dude, you've got to stop preaching about things because every time you preach about it, man, do we get put to the test. Be praying for our family. It is literally not our immediate local family. Oh, man, I'm so blessed by my immediate covering of our family, but family's having some issues, some hard times. The enemy's trying to tear it apart. That's... I don't know, sometimes when you go on, on I'm not going to call anybody out, but you go on vacations together as a family, it can be an awesome, fun time, and sometimes it's like, all right, enough. Should have got my own vacation house, you know. <laughs> you guys run on the boat. You're good? Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, relationships are hard. They are. You're going to have troubles. I mean, take a look at Jesus. He was perfect, sinless, spotless. And how many times did Jesus say, how long do I got to put up with you? Literally, Jesus said this, and he didn't sin in doing it. <laughs> he felt your pain. He can fully empathize with you, right? Um, we've learned about all kinds of different stuff. We have learned about the love of God, which everything's got to start there because that's where it starts and ends, what it's all about. We learned about the blood of Christ, the love that covers a multitude of sins. Um, and this is where it gets to be almost a paradox. The love, the love of God covers a multitude of sins. It does. But boundaries are put in place to keep from being sinned against again. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Hopefully we'll by the end of the message. Boundaries are a healthy thing. This is something that I have struggled with a lot in my life. I can't say that I've nailed it. Read lots of books about it, actually even taken a course about it. Um, still haven't figured it out. Still haven't completely nailed it and figured it out. But I know it's important. I know when I should have had a boundary in place, and my life got wrecked because I didn't have a boundary in place. And I know when I put a boundary in place, it's like, you know, I really should have let that person in for, you know, why was I so harsh and hard and, you know, distant with them? Um, but we also know the, the health. When there are good, strong boundaries in place. They were created by God for our safety and protection so that you can love other people. So that you can have healthy connections with others. Because what we have a tendency to do is to have no boundaries. Someone's life is just wrecking ours. And so we cut them off from our lives altogether. It's like we've got no boundaries or we're done, right? That, that's what we have a tendency to do in life. But God has tried to reveal to us through this, this two-part message here that there are many different levels between here and there, okay? We don't, we don't have to go to, from one extreme to the other. Lots of levels in between that are far, far healthier. So this week we're continuing to learn about healthy boundaries and we're going back to the Word of God I got all these books, and I'm like, okay, these are written by doctors, and just, that's good, but let's go to the Word of God. We're going to look at the one guy that came to mind who was awesome at building boundaries. Anybody know who it was in the Bible? Have any ideas? Think about it. <gasps> Nehemiah. <laughs> he was good at building walls, wasn't he? It's kind of what he's known for in the Bible. He didn't build the first wall, far from it. He didn't build the last wall, far from it, but he built a pretty good one. But we're going to go, actually, we're going to 
kind of hop, skip, and jump through the book of Nehemiah. You're welcome for time's sake. I'm not going to read it all uh, this morning. And we're going to learn from it how to practically, because th there's parts of this. We need to first discern when we need a boundary or when a boundary needs moved. We need to first discern that. It takes a, a discerning spirit. It really takes the wisdom of God that gives us discernment. Then we need to know how to build a boundary. Then we need to know how to maintain, you know, communicate that it's there and maintain it. Discern the need for a boundary, how to build it, how to communicate that it's there, and then how to maintain it. It's, it's, it's a, an ongoing process. Ongoing process in your life, ongoing process in your relationships. And they do need to change from time to time. That's why they need maintained. Um, and you're going to see why here in a moment. So we're going to start right at the beginning. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying before, but it says uh, that, that good, good fences make good neighbors, right? Ever hear that? Good fences make good neighbors. There's some truth to that, right? One of your worst relationships right now with somebody could actually be one of your best just put some boundaries in place. It could be mutually beneficial, one of the best relationships that you chose to have in your life, if you just had good, strong, healthy boundaries between yourself and them. So we're going to start at the beginning of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. It says that these are the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of the other men. And I questioned him about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Long history lesson. When Nehemiah was written, they were living in exile. They'd done gone and sinned. God said, enough. What did God choose to do? Just to lift the covering of his wings. It's all God has to do. Lift his covering and believe me, your enemies will tear you to pieces. That's all he has to do, remove his covering. He does not ever want to do that. He wants you to remain safely in them. But man, are we pig-headed. You ever watch a mother hen try to cover her chicks in the rain? They're running here, they're running there. She's running around trying to get them all in. But man, there's always that one stubborn one. That, right? Amen in your family. There's always that one stubborn child that never wants, just wants to buck every system, never wants to follow any rules. They just... And they keep getting hurt by it. And you're like, see, I told you. you know, no, no one else has that child? Okay. All right, see, every family has one, I'm telling you. And what does that child think they are? I'm just a black sheep of the family. Everyone hates me. No one likes me. Can't ever do anything right. So if you don't know, you are probably that black sheep, right? Hey, you know, black sheep in here? And it was, yeah. We can continue on. And this is what Nehemiah said that his brother said to him. Those who survived the exiles, they are back in the province, but they're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates were burned with fire. Nehemiah said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. You see, when boundaries are missing or misplaced in our lives, as I think I shared last week, it's usually our emotions are going to reveal that first. Now, you know, I, I teach over and over and over again. We walk by faith, not by feelings. But I have a tendency to go into a ditch on that and disregard feelings altogether. 
God has feelings. God has emotions. God experiences happiness. God gets angry. It's not a sin to be angry. God gets angry. We were created in the image of God. We were created with, it, with emotions for a reason, for a purpose. Okay? When you smash your finger with the hammer, or the wrench because you couldn't find your hammer and it was handy, you learn not to do that again, right? Your feelings, your emotions teach you. They reveal things. And it's usually your emotions that reveal that a boundary needs to either be put in place or moved around. God's people, they were in great trouble and disgrace. It caused Nehemiah to weep. Why? All because the walls were down and the gates had been burned. Boundaries were gone. What happens when there are no boundaries? Jerusalem, Israel's enemies were just all over the place. They'd come in and loot them and head back out to the hills. Over and over and over again, this was happening. You know, it was not good. The harbor reality is that when we don't have boundaries in place, they don't just affect us. They affect everyone connected to us. It's interesting to think about, and I've never thought about it this way. Putting a healthy boundary in your relationship, it sounds selfish, but it's not just for your good and benefit. It's actually for the good and benefit of others, too, for them. Sometimes you need to protect them from parts of your life for their own good, too, right? Um, no different than, you know, before I would hand Nate, you know, you know, my shotgun. I mean, he had to prove that he was, you know, responsible enough to handle that. And, you know, when you go out there and you see him, you know, shooting every bird in sight, it's like, nope, you got to pull that boundary back in. Nope, not, not on your own again, right? This didn't actually happen, but for some reason, Bethany's my gun lover. Nate doesn't want anything to do with him. I don't know what happened, but I'm praising God for my, my hunting buddy. Uh, but anyways... You understand, there's boundaries in place for both of your good and benefit. Um, for example, okay, missing boundaries, they affect everybody. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your family. One of you is a spender, the other is a saver. Anybody ever overspend on entertainment, you know? Or you go to the mall and you just blow right through whatever you got. Then it comes time to buy groceries at the end of that paycheck and um, there ain't nothing there. You're calling them Chase or Capital One or Discover wants to, you know, and it's just, you don't want to go there. It's bad. It affects your household. Um, for example, maybe you're one that is just a workaholic and you always cave in to the demands of your employer. If your employer needs you, you're there. And that seems like a good, faithful trait, right? I mean, you're faithful, you're a hard worker, you know, and everything. But your spouse and your kids, they end up suffering, right? Whatever they um, are abandoned. Abandoned when you're staying overtime, working weekends, or whatever. Lack of boundaries affects everybody around you. I could go on for example after example after example. But it's usually emotions that indicate the boundaries are needed or needed to be adjusted. For example, right? If you got that buddy that just, you know, that buddy comes over and you know as soon as he shows up, he's gonna spend the night, you're gonna be spending the next day or two cleaning up after. Right? Anybody ever have a, a buddy like that? I don't know, maybe in your younger days, right? Um, if you take an extra drive around the block before you go to work or enter your home because you just got to prepare yourself for work, it might be an indication that you need some boundaries in place, right? If that person comes up and they put their hand on your, on your shoulder or on your back and you just cringe a little, 
you know that some boundaries need to be put in place, right? It's, it's, it's emotions that reveal these things. It's an alert system that God created in your life. It's like, you know, something isn't right here. Something isn't right. And it's usually because you need a boundary. Uh, I don't know if you've ever ran into this one, but you walk into a store and you see somebody and you either head to the other end or you just walk right back out in your car and decide you can come back later. And have you ever had that, right? You might need a boundary in place with that person because you know they're either going to talk to you forever and ever and ever or, um, you know, they're going to ask you for some money or something. You know, they're going to hit you up. Um, you know, if, if you're at work or you're at school and that person comes up, and you know what they're going to do? They're just going to stand there and talk and talk and talk, and you're trying to get work done. And anybody ever experienced that? And, uh, maybe you're that person otherwise. The one that just has the gift of gab. That's all they ever want to do at work, and you need to get things done, right? I, mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Or if you see that number pop up with your caller ID, or you get a text message or snap from them, and you're like, I'm going to get back to that one later. And, you know, you, you know that you... You might, these are all indications that you might need to put some boundaries in place. Um, and it's usually emotions that reveal that. It's usually emotions that, um, and in this case, it's the same thing. Trouble, disgrace, weeping, anger, cringing. They all help us to discern the need for healthy boundaries. Okay, so I think we get that. Um, emotions can be a tool that help with discernment of where they need to be and how they need to be put in place. We continue on here um, for... Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, go to verse 4. Nehemiah said, For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now, this is not usually what most of us do whenever we're triggered by our emotions. What do we have a tendency to do? Just whatever. You react. You're either angry or you're just depressed or whatever. You just came into that. Nehemiah, he was weeping, he was sad. But for days he mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. He said, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open. Is my mic on? Oh, there we go. Sorry. It's been kind of In and out. Yeah, I can't tell when I'm up here, so y'all have to have give me the high sign or something. And or give me a couple of fresh double A's. That would fix the problem. I saw they're getting low, but you know, I ignored it, right? Boundaries, you know? Um, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him? Keep his. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant David. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, Moses saying that if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, if you obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them into the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. They're your servants. They're your people who you have redeemed by your great strength, by your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. 
He said, for I was cupbearer to the king. That was his job, his responsibility. He was cupbearer to the king. Not, not the first toy maker to the king. Not a day by girl up on, on Christmas is coming. If you haven't been to Walmart or Dollar General lately. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. All right, that should be better. Should sign up for NASCAR. That was a pretty cool pit stop. Pit stop. Good to go for another 500 laps, right? No, okay, sorry. I know this is a little dry, but we're getting it. Okay, so when it comes to putting boundaries in place, your emotions are going to tell you something ain't right. Usually it's a boundary issue. Something isn't right. Next, we need to take it to God. That's not usually what we do. Usually, right there in the heat of the moment, you're doing something. You're reacting. You're volcanoing. Okay? You're erupting. Something's going to happen. Some of us are external. We flip our lid. We scream. We shout. We throw things. Right? I've had to duck from a few remotes before in my lifetime. Some of us implode. Yes. Yes. Shut down. Won't talk. Go out to the garage. Go to your room. Whatever. My son's an imploder. Drives me crazy. I'm like, just open your mouth. I know you're upset, but what are you upset about? I don't know what you're upset about. That's why God gave you news. You know. Anyways, we. I'm an exploder. I explode and then I'm up. I'm over it. No big deal. I forgot about it. I don't realize he's still imploding because my explosion's over. I'm done. You know, I've been gone lately. He's still imploding a week later. You see how relationships, the dynamics start to work. We need the discernment wisdom of God to know who's who in our relationship. Okay, anyways. But first of all, take it to God. Okay? Learn to respond, not react. Because you're responsible for how you respond. My response is my responsibility. So learn to take it away, take it to God first. Man, this is an easy thing to say, a really hard thing to do if you're an exploder. And if you're an imploder. You know, you have a tendency to take it personally. What's wrong with me? What I do, you know? Take it to God first. Take it to him. That's what Nehemiah did. And it took, Nehemiah did this for days. Days. He went before the Lord and he mourned and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And he realized that he was in a position. He was compared to the king. That wasn't by mistake. There was a purpose for him being in the situation he was in. That's what he was seeking out God about. And that's what we should seek out God. Okay. God, there's a reason that I'm feeling this way. There's a reason that we just keep, you know, rubbing each other the wrong way or whatever your cliche is. There's a reason this keeps happening. So, God, what is your purpose here? Go to him. We're responsible for putting boundaries in place. God created the both of us. He knows the both of us fully. He's aware of what boundaries need to be there for us to have a healthy connection or if that connection should even be there altogether. There's sometimes where God says, come out from them, you know? There's times when he does that. Then what was it? Oh, I'm sorry. The group of people are escaping me. Robert Morris had taught so much about them. They're the evil, wicked people in the Old Testament. And they had to come out from them, separate from them, because nothing good was going to come from a connection with them. Whew. Actually, several people. Any of the ites. The ites were just, you don't, you don't want any, any, any Jebusites, Nebusites, ites. Parasites. I don't know. You just, you, you won't be connected with any of the, the ites in the Old Testament. Just... 
Keep to your, your own people. That's where you're healthy and safe. But take it to God first. Um, can, here's the interesting thing that Nehemiah did. This is another thing that when you look all through Old and New Testament, especially Old Testament, the prayers that God answered were the prayers when people like Nehemiah and Daniel said, forgive us for our sins. Take ownership of it. It takes two people to have a bad relationship. It takes two people to fight, okay? You have a part in this. It is so easy to go to God and be like, oh, God, you, you, you know what I'm dealing with here, you know? Can you please fix them? <laughs> Nehemiah didn't do that. He confessed their sin corporately. Forgive us for our sin. Me and my family, too. He literally called out his own self and his own family. God, I am screwing up here. I know it. What do I need to do? What do I need to get right here? Where's the boundary that needs to be in place here so that we stop button heads and start having a healthy relationship? What do I need to do to get mutual understanding right from two weeks ago? Mutual understanding. Take ownership of it. Pray forgiveness for the both of you. Confess the other person's sin and ask God to forgive them. Jesus did it on the cross, didn't he? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And let me tell you, most of the time, people in your life are not evil, wicked people. Okay? Your spouse is not evil and wicked. They, they don't want to destroy you and hurt you. They love you and have your best interest in mind. They don't know they're sinning against you. They don't know what they're doing. They literally have no idea. You can ask my poor, poor wife how many times she's like, how can he not understand? I mean, come on. It's like, I just don't get it. I don't know. Any other guys have that problem in their marriage? Like, what I do? Like, what did I do? What happened this time? You, you, I, I just walked in the house. Did you need me to open the door more slowly, more quickly? I mean, what I do wrong here, you know? <laughs> Glad she's not here. She, she probably ain't mad at it anyways. <laughs> Woo! Confess the boundary issue. Pray for forgiveness. Seek God's wisdom and how to respond. Go to God first. Take time. Let emotions cool off so that you can hear his voice and contemplate your situation. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah said, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there for a few days, I set out during the night with a few others. I didn't tell anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. Songs come to mind. I'm going to try not to let them out on this morning, you know. By night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate, the king's pool, but there wasn't enough room for me to get my mouth through. So I went up to the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back. I re-entered through the valley gate. The officials didn't know where I'd gone or what I was doing, because as yet... I said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or anyone else who would be involved in the work God was calling me to. He kept it between himself and God, and he objectively looked at the situation. So days of weeping and fasting and mourning, and after the emotions were cooled off, he objectively looked at the, the destruction. Okay, here's what I'm dealing with. What is the reality here? What's going on? Take time to objectively consider the need for a boundary. Not in the heat of the moment while emotions are running high and not yet with the input of others. 
This is the second thing. We tend to spout off to somebody and then call up a friend and call up. We don't call people these days, but you know what I mean. Then you go to your friend and you spout off to them too, right? Because why? Oh, poor you. You're going to get that pity party. They're going to feel for you. Oh, that, I can't believe they said that or did that. What is wrong with them, right? This is what we do. It's what we do as human beings. Nehemiah didn't do either one of those things. Go to God first. Don't tell anyone else about it. Objectively look at the situation because you have a role to play here. Take some time. Seek God's wisdom. Consider what the issue really is because often we push people out of our lives because of a weakness in our own. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into my office with people who are having problems and man, they're, they're like reaching a retirement age and every single workplace they've ran into the same problem with like 15 different people. It's like, do you think God might be trying to grow you in some area? Maybe you got something to work with. Oh, no. There's, there's always one in every workplace. Like, for you there is, because <laughs> you're the one, right? <laughs> there are times when God is trying to grow us up, trying to mature us. He loves you too much to let you get away with being weak in an area that you're supposed to be strong in. And he will put you into that situation over and over and over again. It'll be a different person. It'll be a different something. But it's the same principle at play. And if you see that happening, then you need to go to God and be like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to grow in me? What, what part of my character are you trying to develop? You know, a lot of times God is trying to change us. It has nothing to do with them. Right? I, I think I can't remember who I, I talked to this about recently, but I actually got it off of the, the Love and Respect conference, you know. You know, whenever you go up and you, you know, if I were to go up and step on a rose, it smells great, right? If I were to go up and step on a skunk, it doesn't smell so good. Is it me stepping on it that caused one to smell good and one to smell bad? Not really. I just revealed the inner properties. I just revealed that that rose, it smells good. That's good. Something that just stinks, you know? <laughs> Pressure in your relationships just reveals what's there. It's so easy for us to say, well, it's just you. You just always push me, you know? You just always push me beyond what... In, in reality, it's, there's something here that needs to... Does anybody you know what I'm saying? You discern that in your own life, you know? You got a short temper. You need to work on that. It's not their person, that problem, that problem, that problem, that person, that person. You need to work on being a little slower to anger. God wants to grow you up, right? But we want to be comfortable. We want to resist change. So it's much easier to end this relationship, get out of that, and start something new. And then you're in this, you know, um, what do they call it? The, the, the honeymoon period when everything's just wonderful and rosy, you know, and we have a tendency to do that. You hop, skip, and jump to stay in that honeymoon period, and as soon as things get tough, and God wants to grow and mature you, you bail. Right when he was trying to do something good in your life. We've got to be a little tougher than that, right? He wants to grow us and mature us. It may not be a boundary issue at all, because I'm telling you, changing jobs won't change you. Changing spouses won't change you. Changing friends won't change you. Changing neighborhoods won't change you. Eventually, you gotta just man up 
and deal with the reality that you need to change. It's not a boundary issue, it's a maturity issue. Okay, that's the hard side rabbit trail. And the only way you're really gonna see that is by taking time to objectively observe the situation when you're out of the heat of the moment, out of the heat of emotions. And yes, sometimes it takes a friend who loves you to reveal that to you. Sometimes it does take a friend to reveal that, but we're not that step yet, that's next. You know, first go to God, he'll reveal it too. Take time to objectively observe the issue. Seek the Lord's direction of wisdom. Go to him first, him, him, him. After you're able to clearly see what's going on, then you go and you seek the counsel of others. Proverbs eleven fourteen. this is from the Amplified. Where there's no wise, intelligent guidance, we get a lot of stupid advice. Let me tell you, Google, Google has a, a wealth of it, okay? If you Google a health problem, you're dying, okay? And guess what? They're right. You're dying. I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> but my kids don't think it's funny either whenever they come to me with health problems. And I'm like, well, you're a goner. You're dying. You're one day deader than you were yesterday, you know? Sorry, I'm trying to lighten up a little bit. <sighs> okay. Where there's no wise, intelligent guidance, people fall. They go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory! Okay? You, some of your friends are stupid, okay? Stop going to them for advice. Right, Megan? Aren't people stupid? Yeah. Stop getting advice from them, okay? You need to seek out wise, intelligent, godly counsel. Go to them. But don't seek the counsel of those who are going to come to your rescue, build up a case, build up an army against the other person. Seek out counsel from someone who cares about the both of you or that cares about you enough to tell you the hard truths. We call this tough love, right, in, in our culture. Someone who can remain neutral in situations. Counsel from people who have peace and healthy relationships themselves. Find someone who's gained some victory in this area, right? If I go into a battle plan, I want to Get advice from somebody who has faced this battle and got the victory in it. Not some loser who keeps losing this same battle that I'm facing, right? You know what advice they're going to give you? Something to help you to lose, okay? Choose someone who can hold you accountable to develop a game plan and to follow through with it. Counsel from someone who will give you advice and then whatever advice you come up with together, you develop a game plan and they will hold you accountable to stick through it. It's okay to vent to them. It's okay to them to reveal your raw emotion too, right? Nehemiah did it. Holy God, Nehemiah chapter two. Um, I'm gonna skip all that. Uh, in the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King um, Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Here's sort of the key here. Remember, he was cupbearer to this king. And for those of you who don't know who the cupbearer is, he was like, he was like the, the canary in the mine. You know, he drank the wine. They wait, see if he kicks over. Okay, it's not poison. You're safe to drink it now. That's what the cupbearer did. They drank the wine before the king did to make sure he wasn't getting poisoned. Man, leaders have a lot of enemies. You realize that? It's, yeah. it's interesting. Okay, so he said he took the wine, gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked him, why does your face look so sad when, when you're not even ill? This can be nothing. 
but sadness of heart. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid. Okay? Dealing with boundaries in relationships is a scary thing. It's very scary. You might lose a person. You might hurt a person. It might be tough. But it's worth it. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever! Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried in lies in ruins? Its gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king said to me, what is it that you want? Because remember, Nehemiah had been interceding and praying for days for favor from the king. And even when the king said, what do you want? Nehemiah internally is praying to God. Okay, God, this is the moment. What do I need? And he said, he answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So now here's where the really tough part comes for most of us. It's time to communicate, right? Try to get mutual understanding. Look, things are, things are, this isn't working. <laughs> A lot of us don't do this. It takes, I'm sorry, but it, it, how do I say this in, in the church terms? I'm thinking of all kinds of vulgar terms to say that, but man, it takes courage. It takes boldness to do this. <laughs> To go to someone you have a bad relationship with and be like, look, this is not working. we, we got to do something here. You know, something isn't right. And to start communicating and reveal to them. Not to blame them, not to accuse them, not to put anything on them. But it's time to communicate about us. Who we are and who we aren't. Right? Maybe you had a friend that you used to go out drinking with and you're trying to stay sober. And you talk, you got to have that conversation with them. Like, look, I love hanging out with you. But, you know, and you communicate what the boundary is. But this isn't me anymore. I can hang out with you, but I can't hang out with you there. Or when you come and hang out, you know, leave the sex pack at home. You know, we can hang out and, and not need that. You know, communicate. And it's not that there's something wrong with them and they're wrong and evil and wicked and trying to trip you up. It's this is who I am and this is what I need. It's such a girly way of saying it, but you, you don't have to say it in girly terms, you know? This is who I, you know, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is what makes me uncomfortable. This is what is right. This is what is wrong. Sometimes it's that black and white. You know, um, when something is acceptable and when it's not. You know, hey, whenever we're here, you know, Becky's doing it the man. Okay, whenever we're out in public, you know, don't, don't lean to the side and let one rip and laugh about it. It's just not appropriate. You know? You do that at home, but come on. We're out in public with people and, right? Communicate. Sometimes things are appropriate in a relationship, but only in certain contexts. You know? Um, things that you appreciate and things that you don't want in your life. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah went on. He said to the king, with the queen who was sitting beside him, and asked me, he asked me, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I send, have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive at Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal works, who will give me timber and make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my requests. You see, you can go into a relationship and into a situation, and when it's just you going into it, you fail. 
But when you go into it and the Lord is with you and for you because you've taken the time to seek him out and to seek his counsel, you succeed just because his favor is on you. We need the favor of God. Jesus had both the favor of God and man. And he waited. He waited for the right time before he started his earthly ministry. There's a time and a season for everything. Wait for the right time to sit down and talk about your relationship, how to communicate it and when. Um, so when you communicate this need for boundaries, be concise, which is easy for some of us, really hard for others. Some of us want to relive history, right? Don't need to do that. You don't need to relive history to make things right from this point forward. That's how God operates. From this point forward, this is what needs to happen to make things work and to make things right. Be clear and concise, but detailed. Clearly communicate your own need for the boundary. This is all about me, you know? Make it about yourself. Communicate what it's gonna take to put that boundary in place. And sometimes you need to be flexible and communicate. You'd like to give something a try. Hey, can I try this? Give it a try. See how it works. Right? And then revisit later if you need to. And explain if it's temporary or circumstantial. Because life changes, right? And so here's examples. Sometimes something that was once no problem at all is now a significant issue in your life, in your relationships with people. Right? Perhaps it's something permanent, like you just got married. Man, does life change when you get married, right? Some things that were cool before, they're not cool anymore. Things change with all of your other relationships. And it's not that you have problems with those people. It's just that now I've got a different priority in my life. Now I've got a spouse to take care of and they come first. That's really hard to tell your friends and buddies, right? It's really hard for them to, to come to grips with that. But it's, it's important to communicate it. Not just deal with an angry spouse whenever they leave, like, oh, thought he's never gonna go. Why do you let that guy come over here and say this and do that? Right? I don't know if anybody ever read that. Okay, anyways, we'll move on from to another example then. Perhaps something permanent like that, or you got kids. Whew! Taking care of a newborn. That 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 is not an eight to five commitment, is it? You know? Lots of things change in life. Lots of things change in life when you're dealing with a newborn and you just gotta rearrange things. You gotta put different boundaries in place. Perhaps it's a temporary situation. Like, you know, hey, my, my kid's starting up a new sport and now on Tuesdays, you know, I gotta get them back and forth to practice. But, you know, it's only for six weeks. Six weeks, you know, it's, it's a temporary. Clearly communicated. That's what Nehemiah did with the king. Here's how much time I need. Here's what I need. You know, here's what will, you know, here's what used to be okay that's not okay right now and here's why clear concise but detailed clear concise and detailed maybe it's that you're studying for final exams for those who are in high school or college you know and it's like okay you know i, I want to hang out with you guys and i love you and i'm glad you're concerned for me but listen i just i need you to leave me alone for the next week you know or maybe you man you got there's a deadline at work and man i want to be there Trust me, I so want to be there, but I just, I, I got to dedicate this week. They need me there, you know, and it's okay. Clearly communicate it. Be, make it about yourself and not about them. Um, for example, I, I had to set this boundary whenever um, my poor wife quit her job and was at home with three, uh, three kids still in bottles and diapers. 
It's like, okay, I'm like, I, I get it, but when I get home from work, can I have like an hour? Can you not talk to me about all the problems you dealt with all day for like an hour? Because it's like walking from chaos to chaos to chaos to chaos. I just need that, you know? And at one point in time in our marriage, we did couch time. There's a focus on the family thing we learned about. And we ignored the kids. And they did everything they could to get our attention. We ignored them. We sat on our couch for 15 minutes. It was just mom and dad talking. And these kids were toddlers. And it was horrifying for us at first. And they knew if they misbehaved, they were getting their spanking, you know, after couch time was over. But just, you know, boundaries. But what they learned very quickly, very quickly, kids are smarter than you think. They're not dumb. <laughs> They're not dumb at all. They learned very quickly that when we sat down on the couch at that time, that was it. And they left us alone for that time. And then we hung out after. You know, clearly communicate boundaries. Um, you know, or hey, I appreciate you reaching out to me, but you know, well, just I gotta get up early for work in the morning and make it about yourself. But from now on, you know, I, I'm not gonna respond to any calls or texts after like 10. You know? And maybe that's permanent, maybe that's temporary, maybe you're working shift work. Explain to them so that they can understand. And listen, it doesn't matter if they're okay with it. Doesn't matter if they agree with it. Doesn't matter if they're gonna obey it. You're saying, this is a boundary I'm putting in place. And this is it. Clear, concise, detailed. This is the boundary I'm putting in place. It's you taking responsibility for yourself. Uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm sorry you can't afford groceries right now, but I, I can't lend you any more money. I just can't. From now on, I just, I can't. I can't lend you anymore, okay? Um, I'm married now. You can't send me messages like that anymore. I'm at the block you. you know? Lisa Lessons, man, she, she had all kinds of guys after her. And once, once, once he came along, Sorry, guys, you know, you can't be doing that no more. This is not appropriate. And, and if they do it again, block them, um, whatever, you know. Um, or, hey, I can't work Saturdays, you know, for the next two weeks because my kids got games or whatever. You choose your priorities in life with the wisdom and input of the Lord. And then you put boundaries in place to make sure that you can be obedient to it. And I could go on and on and on and on, you know? Hey, hey, it's very catching up with you, but I gotta get back to work now. Thanks for coming over to my cubicle to visit me, but I gotta work. I gotta get something done, you know? And whoop, you just stop talking to them. <laughs> you got clear boundary in place and communicate it. And you don't have to be rude, you don't have to explode at them, you don't have to make it emotional, and you don't have to make it personal. This is who I am, this is the boundary, and that's it. End of conversation. Clear and concise communicated, and it leaves no room for argument or discussion. That's it. Nehemiah 2. Nehemiah said, I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. In ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of God that was on me and what the king had said to me, and so they said, let's start rebuilding. How cool would that be? If you sat down with somebody you communicated the need for a boundary, and they said, yeah, sounds good, no problem. That's what the favor of God can do. Isn't that cool? It, you know, it's just awesome. Communicate in as much detail so that you have mutual understanding. You know, give as much information as you can so that they understand the need for that boundary. Try to keep the boundary objective, not make it personal. 
Communicate the boundary issue is something you can work on together, right? It's not a me versus you. Even if you do all of this well, and you do it perfectly, as perfectly as you can, and you know you're doing what God is calling you to do, there will often be times when people still don't understand, they don't get it, or they don't have your best interest in mind. Okay? This is where it gets interesting. I know it's been a long message. It's a little dry. There's no cool object lessons, but this is where it gets interesting. They don't get you. They disagree with you. So instead of respecting your boundaries, instead of honoring you in love, they become outright hostile about it. Not everyone in your life will have your good at heart. Nehemiah, I can't even start to explain in Nehemiah. I mean, you just, the bulk of the book of Nehemiah is the opposition to Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. That's what the bulk of the book is about. I could read on and on and on, but it says um, Sambalay and Hornites and the Tobia and the Ammonite officials, they heard about this. They were disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. What? They're taking care of your family? You think people would be like, good for you. You're putting your family first. Because your family's your responsibility. Some people are like, Poof, I don't think so. How selfish of you. How wrong of you. You know, you're a Christian. You say you're a Christian. We sure don't act like it. We sure don't live like it, you know? Aren't, aren't you supposed to just give generously and blah, 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 blah. So when they heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed them. What's this you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? When he heard of the rebellion, well, he became angry. He was greatly incest. He ridiculed the Jews. And the president of the associates of the Ordinary Spirit, he said, what are these feeble people doing? Are they really going to restore their law? Will they offer sacrifices there? Are they going to finish it in a day? How can they bring those stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And who are they really rebelling against? When you're doing what God calls you to do, you don't have to take their insults personally anymore, do you? Who were they really insulting? Not Nehemiah and the Israelites who were rebuilding the wall, right? It was the Lord that they were really rebelling and arguing against. It's kind of fun whenever he can just hide under the covering of his leg. While the enemy's out there stewing and fuming and coming at you with everything they got. And you're just confident because you're doing what the Lord has called you to do. Trust me, it still hurts. It still hurts bad. They were ridiculing them. Okay? The, the, some of these areas of the Bible are not G-rated in the way that they were ridiculing them and making fun of them, you know? And uh, go on. Uh, here's a G-rated one. What are they building? Even a fox trying to climb up that wall would bust it down. I mean, they are going on and on making fun of it while they're building it. Don't ever make fun of you when you're building your life. That's hard. Especially if it's family or friends. It's hard. All you're trying to do is what's right for you and your family. You're just trying to build something, and they're just tearing you up. That's why we need boundaries. What did the, the Israelites do? They said, hear us, God. We're despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in their own land of captivity. Don't cover up their guilt and their sins. They, they took it to the Lord. They're like, Lord, they, they didn't argue with them. They didn't communicate with them. They took it to God. So God, you see what they're doing. You deal with them. You deal with them, Lord. I can't. I can't right now. Meanwhile, people in Judah, they just, and, and I was on and on and on and on. For time's sake, I got to skip all of this. But they just kept arguing and arguing and arguing. And finally, people in Judah were like, man, this is hard. This is hard work. We can't keep doing this. We're building with one hand, and we got a sword in the other hand, defending ourselves. And 
man, this is wearing us out because boundaries take work. Oh, sorry, that, that was the people who oppose you. That's your family and friends when they find out that you put a boundary in place. Some of your family and friends aren't going to be happy about it. Guess what? You're not responsible for their feelings, okay? You are not responsible for the feelings of others. I think I just posted about that this morning. It drives me nuts. I, I pull up the news, the first thing I see is someone said something and it hurt their feelings. I'm like, this is the top story of the day? What, what nation are we living in here? What's, man, bunch of wusses. But anyways, but people, I'm telling you, people know your open nerves. They know your buttons, however you want to say it, and they will, they will push hard. They will say mean, nasty things that will hurt you to your core. You got to take it to the Lord. You're doing what he's calling you to do. You're taking care of yourself and your family and your friends and your community. You know, just keep doing what the Lord's calling you to do and let the insults pass right on to him so that he can bring healing to you. So he can be your defender when they're accusing but the reality is the boundaries do take work and they take time. They take work and they take time. You will be ridiculed, you'll be made fun of, you'll be challenged, you'll be opposed, you'll be made to feel like the enemy, you'll be made to be feel, feel like you are the cause of the relationship issues. But stand firm. Don't be afraid. Your fight is not just for yourself. This is what the Lord said to Nehemiah in chapter 2. Is it chapter 2 that I'm in or chapter 4? I'm in chapter 4 now. Chapter 4, verse 14. Nehemiah stood up and he said, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wife. Fight for your home. Nehemiah 4.14. That's what you're doing when you're putting boundaries up in place. It's a fight. You're fighting for your household, for their good and their benefit. But they take work. You'll be ridiculed. You'll be made fun of. You're gonna, but you're fighting a good fight. And the fight is worth it. Good, healthy relationships are worth the effort to put up good, healthy boundaries. And although you go through a season of chaos and a season of fighting when you're building the boundaries, once those boundaries are in place, your home will be a sanctuary. There will be peace where there was once chaos. You know, if, if you got the garden hose laying, laying in your house and it's wide open and you can spend day and night shop back in the water up and bucketing it out and everything else, but sometimes you just got to put the boundary up. Go turn the spigot off. Next thing you know, your house dries up and your life is good. God wants us to live a life of abundance. You can't live a life of abundance if you just keep leaving everybody have full access to every part of your life. Because once the enemy knows who has access to it, he will still kill and destroy from your life through those people. Don't let them do it. Put up a strong boundary. Those who will oppose, who can't get you to budge on your boundary themselves, they're going to spread the word about how bad you are, about all the bad stuff you're doing, and they're going to rally others as well. Nehemiah 6, and I love it. In those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters 
These are the, the DMs and texts of today. They sent letters to the nobles. They, they were sending them to Tobiah. Tobiah kept replying, and they kept coming to him, and they were forwarding them to the, um, the nobles of Judah, um, to the son-in-law. The in-laws are involved now. Shechaniah, son of Ara, and to his son, the son of Johanan. And by the way, she married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Barakai. Moreover, they kept reporting ever all this to them, and then they kept telling him the good deeds that they were doing and telling them the bad deeds and the bad things that he had said. And Toba, Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. <sighs> so this, this sounds like a modern, this is verse 17 to 19. Doesn't this still happen today? Nothing's new under the sun. They, they were sending letters to in-laws and outlaws and their son and their daughter and, you know, all of a sudden, I've, I've experienced this in life. I'm walking through Walmart. Some stranger comes up and starts blasting me. How could you treat them that way? Who do you think you are anyways? You're a pastor. Okay, first of all, who are you? <laughs> hi. Literally, I did this one time. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Steve. And, and, and what's your name? I had no idea who they were. It's fun being in leadership in churches, you know? People rally up support from anyone and anyone who will listen to them. They'll talk about, all, they'll spread a report about all the good things you've done and the, or the good things that they have done and how awesome they are and a bad report about you. Does that sound familiar? Has anybody ever experienced that in life? Huh? Yeah, I think all of us have. Nothing's new under the sun. Nehemiah was dealing with this and this was 400 BC. And they're sending letters back and forth to each other spreading bad reports, trying to intimidate Nehemiah. It's crazy what happens when you set boundaries. This opposition may come from the least likely of people that you'd never expect it from. And that's what hurts the worst. They come like wolves in sheep's clothing, claiming to have your best interests in mind, claiming to be a believer, making very convincing claims that you just need to back down on this boundary thing. You don't need to do this. You don't need to be so harsh with them, you know? You have no idea what they've been through. You don't know their history. You haven't walked them out of their shoes, and they start guilt-tripping you, right? Guilt-tripping you into disobeying the Lord. Nehemiah, he, he got visited by, he was out there visiting a shut-in, doing what he's supposed to do. Nehemiah chapter 6, one day when I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, Delaiah, the son of Mehitabel, who was shut into his home. He said, let's meet in the house of God. Let's go inside the temple. Don't you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Let's close the temple doors because people are trying to kill you. We've got to go there by night. We can't even go there in day because they are coming to kill you. This, this poor, lonely shut-in of a man. He seems to have Nehemiah's best interest in mind, right? These people, they've got a death threat against you. They want to take your life. So let's go into the shelter of God and let's hide there together. I'm with you. Let's do this together. We'll walk this out side by side. We'll go there. We'll close the doors. But what was Nehemiah called to do by God? Rebuild the walls. Was God's favor going to remain on Nehemiah if he was hiding in the basement of the church? Well, the temple, right? No. Nehemiah's only protection was out on the front lines, right in the face of the insults of the enemy, 
right in front of the sword of the enemy as they were trying to kill him. Isn't that a crazy thing? The safest place for Nehemiah was right there on the front lines of the, the army. But it was safe because he was doing what God was calling him to do. So he was under the sheltering of the Lord. Man, that blows your mind. Only a Christian can get that logic, right? The safest place to be is right there in the protection of the Lord. And I'm almost finished, I swear. Nehemiah said, why should a man like me run away? Should someone like me go into the temple just to save his own life? I won't do it. I will not go. And it says in verse 12, I realize God hadn't sent him. What he had prophesied against me was because of Tobiah and Sanibalt. In fact, they had hired him. If you remember those names, they were the ones sending the bad report, you know, to everybody about him. They hired this homeless shut-in, not homeless, this shut-in to try to get Nehemiah away from the danger into the... How bad is that? Someone pays off someone to try to derail you from this. Oh. Trust me, you set a boundary in place, people who have no boundaries will stop at nothing to stop you. It's, it's interesting. Okay. It says in verse 13, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And that they would give me a bad name to discredit me. You realized they hired him, first of all, to cause him to sin, to get away from building the wall, to hide in the temple. But then also, they could go around and tell everyone, look at Nehemiah. He has you out here building and fighting, and he's in the temple hiding. You know, protecting his own life. They just wanted a reason. Trust me. When you set a boundary in place, that person will find every reason that they can get to build ammunition against you. Even by having you do something that seems good and logical. They'll even use scripture to back up their stand. You need to do this, right? Oh, I'm sorry, I can go on and on and on. People will challenge and oppose the boundaries you're trying to put in place. So do everything you can. You just got to know what the Lord is calling you to. Know what he's directing you to do. And trust that in time, it will pay off. Nehemiah 8. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law, the Levites were instructed, instructing the people. They said, this day is holy to the Lord your God. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Because the building had been complete. The wall and the gates had been restored. He told them, do not mourn or weep. Because the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law, they realized how far, how far they had fallen from it. Nehemiah said, no, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks. You guys should have polished this stuff off already. Seriously, don't be shy. Grab some stuff. Go, enjoy choice food, enjoy sweet drinks. And send some also to those who have nothing. This is holy to the Lord our God. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You got joy in chaos. You got peace that makes no sense. See how the Lord's tying it all together now? And I can't keep my batteries in place. That's why I don't use this anymore. <laughs> See what happens when you don't have a good boundary in place? You're all over the place and things don't work the way they ought to. Thank you, Lord. That's pretty cool. Anyways, so all the people went away. They ate. They drank. They sent portions of food to those who did have nothing with great joy because they now understood the word of God that had been made known to them. 
So as a result of completing the building of the boundaries, the people in Jerusalem were safe. They were at peace. They could just enjoy the life that God had given them. And the only thing that changed was a boundary was put in place. A wall was built around Jerusalem. The same enemies were out there. They were still scheming and planning to kill them, to destroy God's people. They were still accusing Nehemiah of doing all these things wrong. The only difference was there was a boundary there. They could do that all they wanted, you know, out, out there where they belong. They didn't have that place in their lives anymore. Their life became a sanctuary and a place of peace just because of a boundary. So it's important for us to do these things. This is a huge message. This is a lot of information. But it's so critically necessary to do. Nehemiah considered it a sin not to build this boundary. He would be sinning before God if he didn't put this boundary up in place. And he knew that he would continue weeping, that there would continue to be trouble. Sometimes the trouble in your life is there just because you haven't put a boundary up to keep people's choices causing trouble in their own lives and not in yours. It's a loving thing to do to cover the sins of others and to provide for them, especially in their time of need, and even when it's a result of sin. That's what Jesus does for us. But you need to use discernment to know when you are called to carry the burden of others and when that burden of others is supposed to be carried by themselves so that they can learn and grow and mature. It is different in every relationship. It is different from moment to moment. You need the leading of the Spirit of God to put boundaries up in place. But I urge you, because I believe the Lord is urging us this morning, when that chaos and those emotions are, are raging, you've got a boundary issue. You've got to do something about it. You've got to do something about it. So, take time to objectively observe the issue. Is this a boundary issue or is it an I need to grow up issue? Do I need to change or do I need to set a boundary? Seek the Lord's direction and wisdom. And, and how to build that boundary. Communicate it so that it's not a stumbling block. We learned that last week, right? Don't put a brick up in front of someone and let them trip and fall on it. Build a boundary so they can see it in the distance. I know where Route 85 starts and ends. You know, I'm not going to drive through the churchyard to get going into Newmont, right? Because there's a boundary. I know where the highway is and where I need to stay in my lane, right? Some of y'all need to stay in your lane in life. You're rushing off here, rushing off there. Or you're letting people come head on into your life and you just stay there and let it happen. Boundaries. Do the hard work to build the boundary regardless of the opposition to it. And that's why it's important to go to the Lord first. And when all the insults come your way, take them to the Lord. So that you can stand firmly on who you are in Him, doing what He's calling you to do. No matter who opposes it. And then maintain that boundary. Adjust it as life changes. Sometimes people will earn trust in your life. You need to let them back in. Sometimes people abuse that trust that you've given them in your life. And you need to back them back out. 
you, it, life changes, your boundaries in life should change too. Your relationships should change if they're healthy. Your relationships should change if they're healthy. They should not be the same for all eternity. Your relationship with Christ should change every day. If you are today where you were a year ago with the Lord, then your faith is dead. Right? I've talked a lot. I know it's a lot to chew on. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you for filling us with wisdom. Train our fingers for battle. Teach us your ways. Guide us into truth and understanding so that we can have healthy relationships with you and with those around us. Help us, Jesus, to put up healthy, strong boundaries in our lives so that our lives can be a safe place of refuge where people can come and experience your peace. And so that our lives are no longer chaotic, so that our emotions are not always up and down and all over the place, so that we can stand before you with confidence, with confidence that we are not sinning in this area of boundaries. I just thank you for the wisdom you've given us in your name. Amen.